We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And we are now 20 games into the 2020-2021 season. So this felt like a good time um, to take stock of Anthony Edwards and do a film uh, review of his first 20 games. Uh, We did this obviously back, I don't know if it's obvious, but we did do this back at the 10-game mark of the season with Edwards. Uh, Just kind of comparing what we'd seen on film from Anthony Edwards in his first 10 games to what we saw um, from Lamella Ball and James Wiseman in their first 10 games. So it's going to be a similar setup today. Uh, we'll, we'll focus on uh, Edwards' film, but the two players we're shifting to this time rather than Ball and Wiseman are Isaac Okoro and Devin Vassell. Those are two players that Will DeBerg and I were relatively high on in the pre-draft process. process. And with the Wolves playing the Cavs and Spurs this week, I thought it would be a good idea. So to do this, Wildeberg's my guest tonight. Um, for those of you who are new to the pod and maybe weren't around this summer, uh, Will was my kind of partner uh, as we went through the film of the 2020 draft class this year. And more importantly, uh, that doesn't qualify you to do anything. <laughs> Anybody could go on this podcast. More importantly, Will is an assistant coach here at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul. Uh, thanks for doing this, Will. What's, what's going on in Will world? Uh, not much, man. Um, looking forward to, to another podcast with you. That's sad. That's not a, that's <laughs> a highlight you, don't, of my, don't you guys start, you start your season tomorrow? Yeah, right? we do. We have our first game tomorrow night. Um, it's been, it's been 11 months since we've last played. So, um, really what excited. What odds you finish your season? <laughs> that's a great <laughs> question. Um, I mean, it's already such a different year. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's February. We haven't played yet. So it's, I think we have 10 or 11 games scheduled. Um, as far as a regular season, um, and then the NCAA tournament, we're hoping happens, but we'll find out more in the next couple of weeks. So, 
you know, it's, so you won't even get to a twenty-game film review of your season. I know. I won't be able to do a podcast. On <laughs> yeah, next Thomas year. men's basketball next year. Um, all right, uh, we so we went through and we watched um, Edwards and Vassell and Okoro. Obviously, we're going to start with Edwards here. Um, I, I was just kind of curious for you if you can kind of think back to when we drew that line in the sand after ten games. Um, what you were kind of expecting at that point for Edwards to do in his next 10 games. Did you expect some sort of jump? If so, where? And if not, you just kind of – what were you expecting back then? I mean, it's hard – I think it's hard to say – expect the unexpected almost is is kind sure. of a good way to put it with him. And, you know, we talked about it last time. Um, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of good games, a lot of bad – like just a lot of inconsistencies. Um, and so I guess for my expectation, that's sort of – I just assumed that's what his rookie year will look like. And I think the first three or four games after we did that first podcast were, were really bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I know you have the stats. Um, were some of his worst games of the year. But but the, the, the second half of the, the last four or five games have been his best. His best. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, I think that's just kind of what, what it's going to be this year. It, it's, it is interesting, and I, I sent this to you, too. He, his numbers, if you compare his first 10 games of the season to his 10 games, the second 10 games of the season, are, like, exactly, like, eerily crazy. similar. I mean, it's basically the same amount of minutes, 26 per game, exactly 13.6 points per game in the first 10 versus the second 10. Two assists, three three rebounds, playing less the same, than a steal. Playing the same amount. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost his, – his turnovers are maybe, like, the one counting stat that's down a little bit. But really, the the only area if you just if we're going just straight like pull up NBA.com, the only difference is that in the second ten games he shot way better from three and way worse from two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you think has on film like how has that shown up in your eyes on film? Yeah, I think he's taking better shots, especially from three. Um, you know, his numbers when he's catching and shooting versus taking a pull-up three are – I don't have the specific numbers in front of me, but I know they're – I know that's a drastic difference between catch and shooting and off the dribble. 38% catch and shoot, 28% off the bounce. Yeah. Um, for the season. For the season. I think, you know, a lot of people talking about he's not getting many foul calls, which if that's one thing. But he's – you know, he's not finishing at the rim as well as I think somebody as strong and as athletic as he is – can finish you know and if he did and who knows to blame the refs don't blame the refs whatever but if he were to start getting more foul calls that percentage is going to go way up because those are instead of 0 for 1 on the on the box score that's going to turn into two free throws so and he's like an 80 percent free throw right so i think you know who knows hopefully he starts getting more calls but part of that's on him too i think it has been kind of an adjustment i and i feel like i noticed this in the the first cleveland game like Ryan had had told us when he was talking about it, we were like, man, it's been – there was like a six-game stretch where Edwards shot two total free throws, and it was kind of weird. Like, he, I, I don't, like not Edwards' fault. It was, it was one of those – not to be like the foul call guy, but like he wasn't getting calls. And, and so what Ryan said was he told Ant to just try dunk it on everybody. And like – he did and tried to. It was the next game. He missed like three dunks. He in the missed first like three dunks, but they, they were cool missed dunks. Awesome. Um, but he's gone, he's gone seven games this year out of the twenty without taking a free throw. 
wow. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think it was like almost that, an overcorrection. Yeah, to try and dunk all those in in a way, which trying is, to prove a point. I think. Yeah. No, I mean, not not even not even on Ryan, but just kind of how it showed up in Ant's game, and then I think what we kind of saw come to fruition here in these last two games against Cleveland was he started being a little bit shiftier when he was going to the basket. I, I mean, I, I think. When he was driving, we saw three, four, five euros as he's trying to get there to the rim and and just kind of realizing like, okay, if I just try and go through people, I'm like, for one reason or the other, I'm not getting the call. If I'm just trying to go over people, like that's just hard to do um, and that's not being very effective either. So I, I do think that is encouraging for his, you know, what's to come for his, for his at the basket game because, I mean, quite frankly – like Edwards has gotten better and better, but he's kind of killed the Wolves in, in a lot of these recent games just from a, taking a lot of shots and not making a lot of them. I mean, he's only he's only made over 50% of his two-point shots in one of the last 11 games, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, if that's your guy who's second or third in volume of shots, like, I mean, that's just going to be tough to, to overcome for, for this team. So I, I do see adjustments for him. Yeah, and I and I think it's, for as big and as athletic and fast and strong as he is, I think sometimes that almost works as a disadvantage because mm-hmm. he can get going so fast and almost to the point where he's out of control. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I think over the last, especially the last three games, I do think it's things have started to slow down for him a little bit. You know what I mean? He sort of started to see things and, and realize, even though he's just this unbelievable athlete, he doesn't need to go a million miles per hour with everything he's doing. Um, he's kind of picking his spots on when he explodes to the basket versus when he had the, I think it was, it was one of the two Cavs, Cavs games where he kind of, he's more like probing the defense and he's going maybe half speed, 75% speed. And kind of snake in the pick. And, and then when thing. he has to, he can hit the, he can, he can burst. He had one play where it was unbelievable. And you might remember, you might not. He kind of going to his left, a little in and out. It was the fourth quarter and he had his jump stop at, just inside the elbow, and he had this like pivot where he kind of cracked, I think it was Drummond, and he had this mm-hmm. layup. And I'm like, that that's progress to me. Like, it's not just trying to go and sprint past people and, and jump. It was using, you know, footwork and balance and, and just kind of being crafty. Yeah, it's what he needs to learn is how to navigate a big, like in a, in a pick and roll there. Like, that, that has been the problem for him is is that, you know, pretty much every team in the league is dropping their big back. So if you run a high screen for Anthony Edwards and take Jared Allen from the last game, Jared mm-hmm. Allen's just going to drop back, you know, to the rim. And then Edwards has the choice of, you know, pulling up from the mid-range there or try and stay downhill and, and go to the rim. Obviously, the preference, particularly in the Wolves system where they're hammering home shot selection, is, you know, stay downhill, get all the way to the rim. And, and that's what's kind of leading to this heavy volume of shots at the rim. And we're like, oh, man, Edwards isn't making them. Edwards isn't making them. Well, really, the main environment in which he's getting his shots in the rim are against the team's best shot blocker. Because if you're just running a simple 1-5 pick and roll right there, it's going to be Jared Allen back there. It's going to be Joel Embiid back there. Who else have they played? You know, Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. when Drummond played that one game, like, man, that I don't care if you're the number one pick. I don't care if you're who you are. Like, if you got if you got Embiid sitting at the rim and it's it, 
it's a pick and roll and you got to go up and through him, that's going to be extremely difficult for him to do. So to your point, I think he's navigating what to do in that space. And it's why for the season as a whole, you know, you look at his numbers and pick and roll and they've been bad. I think it's like 12th percentile or something. But it's interesting and what I think is really encouraging if you go over to the isolation area and you actually watch those clips, it's where he's he's got it. He he he's like gets a switch. He pulls a guy out, and he's yeah. He's just he's just and especially when the wolves have five shooters in the game where they the big is then spaced out, and mm-hmm. he just can go at. It was the one play who he, it was all over Twitter. But it was the one play he went at uh, was a Garland, and he had that spin move and mm-hmm. just at the yeah. end one. When when there's space around the hoop, he is, and that's why his his isolation points per possession are through the, like one of the best. It's literally 100th yeah. percentile. It's the yeah. best. Yeah. 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 I mean, but it, it, it's so few possessions, so like whatever. Grain of salt. But, but the point I, I think right there is the difference in why he's dominant in those isolations is because is because there's no big waiting for him at the rim there, right? You're, you're, you're spread out, you know, you're spread out five, and maybe Jared Allen's trying to mm-hmm. come over at the last second to come block it, but that's so different than when you're facing a big and a drop who's guarding you right there. Right. There's no wall. And, and so if you could put Anthony Edwards in fewer straight pick and roll situations and you can get him to like, all right, we ran a pick and roll. I got my switch. Now let me bring Jared Allen out onto the perimeter and get him to come up and, and face that. And now, I mean, Edwards' first step is insane. So, so now you're, if you've got Jared Allen out at 18, 20 feet, you go by him to the rim rather than trying to go through him. So obviously a lot of that's easier, you know, said than done but but I think that's what that's what Ant's got to do is is recognize situations where he can pull his man out to isolate and then go back in at them because if it's just if it's just a pick and roll like it's not going to be it's not going to be that profitable for him at you know, at this juncture of of his career, because right. he's just not getting the fouls, he's not finishing. Right. I th- I mean, I think he can, like, he can make the game really easy for himself. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And I think that'll come. And I think as things slow down, as he gets more comfortable, and the last three games are really good examples. But the game should be really easy for him. And I think what you said is 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 accurate. You know, if they switch the ball screen, slow down work. a second, yeah. let let them switch it, and then you attack, not just put your head down, go a million miles per hour, and hope you get a foul. Because when you just go to the lane hoping to get a foul, you, I mean, you're going to get a couple calls, but not, not as many as, you, as you're going to need. And I think, you know, obviously the return of Cat's going to help a bunch of people. But if what Anthony Edwards is best at is attacking the rim, then he might profit the most from Cat being back. Because totally. if Cat recognizes, all right, Ant's got an isolation here. Ant's got a pick and roll here. If he's not involved in it, you know, then Cat goes spread out, you know, mash out to the corner. And now Jared, okay, Jared, I would want to come and try and contest the shot at the rim. Bam, there's yeah. Cat. Cat's going to make 45% of his open, you know, corner threes at least. Right. So I, I think there's, that's, I guess, what I'm really interested in seeing at the next step is, all right, how does he continue to improve in this pick and roll game, which is not, like, he can pass it, but he still isn't. He's still learning it. He's still trying He's to find his He's a little bit late with his passes. It's, he sees mm-hmm. it, and he it's just it's not the timing of, a, of his passes, I think, aren't, aren't where they're... That's interesting, yeah. Do you know what I mean? A lot of times, it's like, oh, that was a good pass, but it was a second late. Okay, right, right, right. Like, it's, it looks nice because it's like that live dribble yes. left-hand pass or whatever, right? But then if you, if you 
that's part of the reason his assist numbers are so low. Because hmm. for me, one of the things that surprised me about him, about him is he is a good passer. He passes with both hands. He passes on the move. But his he's only averaging, what, two, two, less, assists, two yeah. assists a game. And, and I was surprised. You know, looking at the, at the numbers, I, I was really surprised by that. But then when you go and, and look, a lot of his passes are, quote, unquote, nice, good passes. They're just a little bit late, and they don't lead to – to shots. Or so you don't points. think it's guys just missing them. It's, it's I mean, maybe some of that too, or, or, but, but if it is late and I don't know, I would need to go back and watch it, but if it is late, then that's, if that's a, you know, kick to Malik Beasley or whoever in the corner, then he's, he might not be shooting that right away. Cause then or there's it's a the tougher shot. There. He's not, and then it's rhythm. the hockey assist, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, something like that, or he's the pass pass sort of thing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but that's, that's the thing. What I think is encouraging in these 10 games is you see, that you see a path, or I do now, a path to pick and roll effectiveness. Not just like, not just, it's going from little flashes to being like, okay, I could see how you could string these things together and be, you know, a, a full package. Because again, the first step hasn't gone anywhere. The first step is is as good as it gets. If there's anything that's a, like certain for his future, it's he's going to get past the first defender whoever's in front of him every time it's unbel- it's one of the, he's one of the best in the NBA at it already he he just he knows it too yeah and and so that's why I, like it's it's funny like our i think the knee jerk reaction when you watch basketball if you're like a coach or somebody who's who's watching the numbers or whatever like oh shit this guy's pulling it out to isolate you know and it's just the like between the legs between the legs sort of thing but like if you're really if you have a really good first step and you have a mismatch like that can be the that can be the smartest thing, and and I just think like when I think about who he is and how young he is and stuff, like that's probably the way he's been playing basketball for the past ten years of his life, mm-hmm. right? Playing AAU, you know, playing in the gym with it, with his friends and stuff is like, all right, I got a mismatch, dribble, dribble, gets the guy leaning a little bit. He that's what I think is is elite. When we, we talk about his vision and stuff too, like there's the passing, but he is I feel like he has great vision in like noticing once the guy's back on his right heel or back on his mm-hmm. left heel. So so as I choose which way, like, am I taking my first step to the right? Am I taking my first step to the left? Because well, if, you, if you just, I mean, if you rip through the 20-some clips of him in isolation this year, it's it's like, it's free. It's like, this is a free bucket. Yeah, it it is. It's, it's like watching a, a high school player go up against a seventh grader. That's actually a good example. I'm like, serious. Or just, I, like, I didn't know you were going to say seventh grader, but like when you're watching a high school player and he's clearly the best player on the floor in right. a varsity game. But I, th- I think that comes with, he also needs to realize going forward, and I think this is part of the reason he's so inefficient right now, is just because he, he can do that, that doesn't I give him the leeway to take bad shots. Because you can blow by your guy and take a bad shot. Still. Right. And I think that's where he's struggling right now. Mm-hmm. He leaves his, his, the guy guarding the ball, the guy guarding him. A lot of times he leaves that guy in the dust, but then there's help and he doesn't really see it, you know, at the right time. And, and that leads to a That leads up. to like a weird seven-foot shot where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, he burned his guy, but that's a, he's taking a 30%, 40% shot. And, you know, he's scored 272 points this year on 268 shots. Which isn't, I mean, it's just, it's not good. It's not yeah. efficient. It's not sustainable. Right. You're not going to win that way. And particularly if you're not getting in the line. I, I do want to move to defense, but first, just th- this has been something I think that you and I, we both saw back in the Georgia film was the fact that he shoots different 
coming off the dribble versus a catch and shoot situation. And, and I think really, if you slow it down and you go back to, to the film, it's really apparent. Mm-hmm. And he's just so like in catch and shoot situations, he's a really upright shooter. You know, his, his body is, is very, what's, you know, <laughs> very up and down. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a fairly mechanical shot and it's, you know, for that reason, if it's an open catch and shoot, he's knocking him down. Like we said, 38% of his catch and shoot threes he's, he's made this year. But then he just has this tendency, if he's going off the bounce at all, it can be a three, it can be in the mid-range, whatever, to, to really to fade in a way that makes it look like he's shooting it completely different when, when it's off the bounce. And I think, I don't know, like I, I just wonder if that's something that, I don't think you could do that. I don't think you could shoot two different shots. I I completely agree with you. We talk a lot. The really good shooters that I've coached, that I've been around, that I've – they shoot the same ball every time. Right. And that's what makes them great. And it's – yeah, it, it, you're right. If, if if your shot's different, depending on the type of shot you're taking, it just, I just don't think you can ever be a good enough, consistent enough shooter to, to – I don't know to to be good. The the really good shooters shoot the shoot the same shot every time. So like, what's the answer there? Like, do you? I mean, are you going to try and get him to? That might be quite the overhaul to be like. I mean, I would say, whatever shot you think is better, and I and I, I think it, to this point it's catch and shoot based on the numbers. Do more of that. Shoot more catch and shoot shots. But he is going to take off the dribble. Yeah. tons of off the dribble shots over the course of his career and. And I don't know, like, <laughs> I feel like if it's five years from now and we still see him doing that right leg kick up thing and he kind of like, mm-hmm. like he kind of curves his lower back sort of like lumbar thing going on. And if we're still seeing that, I, I will be surprised if he has become a real weapon from mid-range, like a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving or a whoever, you know, from, from those areas. Like, Which, in my opinion, not to cut you off, is the next step for, for me, like, mm-hmm. That would be the next step for him to take. Is I, if he can get to that fifteen foot spot, elevate, jump higher than anybody, and just be consistent. And, well, and that will that will help the whole big thing too, right? Because yeah. right now the bigs are just like, "Well, go ahead, you know, take that fifteen footer. Like, mm-hmm. we'll we'll give that to you." And clearly, you don't want to take it. You want to come into us, and we'll welcome you know we'll welcome that mm-hmm. too. But but if he comes down, like if if one of these games in the his the first quarter, if he's starting whatever his first shift, if he comes down and hits like. High screen comes into 15 feet, hits it. High screen comes into 15 feet, hits it. And they start having to adjust to that. Like, that's game over. Yeah. Because because now he's going to have more at the rim. Now he's going to have, like, a guy digging in. And there's going to be more more out there. So, I'm totally with you. This is, like, and this doesn't have to happen this season. But that's the skeleton sure. key for a guy who plays like him. And to that point, I think if I was coaching against him, I would say let him, let him come off a ball screen and shoot 17 footers. Let him take 15 of those. He's gonna make some, but mm-hmm. let's just let's live with that. And and you know, if he makes seven out of fifteen, you know, whatever. I just right. I think you live with it. I, right at this point in yeah. his career, yeah. It's just I I feel like we 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 say that sort of stuff, but teams do adjust, or even like players subconsciously do. Mm-hmm. Like if a guy just like hits it, hits it, and then you just start. I don't know. It has like a, a psychological yeah. I- impact. It, it's contagious. But yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly where the the league is moving. It's why it's why you see teams kind of daring guys to do that overall. But the thing is, and we talk about the playoffs, we talk about the, or just the fourth quarter. Like 
those shots are, you know, as you start playing more of a half court set, whatever, more half court possessions, those are the shots that you have to be able to hit. It's why a Kawhi Leonard is so much more valuable, you know, in in the playoffs, a Kevin Durant is because if you because you that's the spot they're giving you on the floor. And if you can be yes dynamic from there, then it's yeah, it's game over. Yeah. No, I agree. Let's talk a little bit a bit a little bit about his defense. How have you seen that evolve over these ten? I think it's gotten better. I think well <laughs> let's back up. The first <laughs> the first ten games were really bad. Really, really bad. And so him improving, I think he had no other choice but to improve. But I think he definitely has. And uh, you know, watching him we talk about how good he is in ISOs on offense. I actually think he's pretty good defensively in an isolation situation. Agreed. Um, you know, again, we can talk about all his, his strengths and athleticism all we want, and that's a big part of it. But he's just – he's to me, he seems like a guy, if you give him one thing, just stop the ball, he can do it. When you ask him to do multiple things, you know, you got you got to see a rotation. you got to see your man and ball, you know, you got to maybe switch this screen, this guy you're going on, whatever, you know schemes in the NBA are, you know, sometimes you're going over screen, sometimes you're going on. When you ask him to get his, his mind thinking a little bit, that's where he struggles. Um, and I think he's starting to be, do a little bit more of that sort of stuff. Like it, it was fun. I've like the, the first half of the Philadelphia game, he was right in front of where, where my seats are. And, and you could almost just like see him in his head where he was like clearly told bump all cutters, you know? And so he kind of like I think it was like Sham or no, it wouldn't have been Sham. Who 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 would have been the or Curry, Seth Curry? And so he's kind of like, all right, I know this pin down's <laughs> coming for Curry, and he kind of like goes in like little football shoulder, and he's like, okay, I did it, you know, yeah. and like checklist, checklist, <laughs> you know, which is like he wasn't doing that before, right? I mean, it looked it looked kind of awkward, but but it's 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 adding, you know, it's adding to those sort of things that you know, particularly when you're in the context of a Timberwolves defense who has just doesn't have a lot of good defenders. Like he's, he's gotta be doing those things to help. He's gotta be seeing the ball and his man at the same time. And, and I, I think it's, that's getting better. And a lot of it, a lot of it is so basic though. A lot of it is stuff you, you learn at a young age. The one th- watching the, the most recent 10 games, he, and when you go back and watch him on film, when he's off the ball, he just stares at the basketball. Yeah, and that's something that I know I didn't notice the first time, but the mo- most recent ones I did. He he like the, the basic simple basketball teaching you mm-hmm. teach elementary school kids is see your man, see the ball, and he just when he's off the ball will just watch the basketball, and then they'll pass it to his guy, mm-hmm. and he it's like the AAU he tries to like get a steal, and then he's completely out of position and doesn't get the steal because. This isn't AAU, and these are right. NBA. Yeah. And then he's and then he's done. The possession's over. Yeah, because you're literally giving them yes the advantage if he catches it. Yes. So I I don't know. I I think to me that's an easy fix. You know what I mean? He but it's reps. I, I hope it's a. It, it's I, funny because so I was literally before I came over here I was watching Isaac Okoro defense stuff, and he's the opposite of that, mm-hmm. right? He's just the, he's the constant like head you know head on a swivel back and forth back and forth back and forth sort of thing, and so you know you just. And I mean, we're going to talk about Okoro and Vassell, but they just care so much more about defense, right? Yeah. And and so you would like to think that, you know, once that button is pressed for Edwards or if it's pressable, 
then it's it, it's going to make such a difference because this isn't like it isn't an impossible thing to no. do. You know, defensively, you've just really got to be. You got to care. Really gotta be, you just got to care. You yeah, gotta yeah. Care. You, you got to give a shit. It. And and that's I don't know if you can turn that switch on. You know, I mean, maybe you can, but it's it's the really good players in the NBA are consistent. They do things every night in and night out, and that's what makes them who they are. And that's that's the next step. One of the next steps for Anthony Edwards is, is to be consistent. Do See, it. and that's why I'm worried about the culture of losing stuff. Yeah, because. Because what, what I was thinking as I was watching, you know, just possession after possession of the defensive stuff, and I, I'm going in my head, all right, what I feel like this kid needs right now is to is to not only make a defensive stop in a critical situation, but feel what that feels like. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the fourth quarter. It's a two-point game. I, I did bump the cutter. I did recover over to my man. I moved my feet. I walled him off. I made him take a crappy mid-range shot. He missed it. We got the rebound. We went down and scored. Like you feel that I feel like as a player, and and you recognize like oh I you know like sometimes sometimes you don't need to be told things you need to feel them and and I mean there's just been hardly any situations like that this year for the Wolves where you know it's it feels like a desperate sort of last six minutes of the game or whatever and 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 having that opportunity so I think to, for me my guess would be. The only way he ever really improves as a defender is once he starts feeling that and having that happen over the course of a month or two months where they're going on a run and they're winning games because he has made defensive plays. I I think you're spot on. I I, I could not agree more. And the, the fear there is, has he ever had that? Does he know? Yep. Do you know what I mean? Does yeah, he, does he sure. even know that's a thing? No, I, I mean, I think probably a lot of guys don't. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like, it, yeah, it's something, it's, what is that called? Like, a, it's a learned experience or right. a, a learned skill set. You can't, you can't not do it your it's whole experience. life. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Experiential learning. Yeah. And like, it's, the stove is hot. I need to touch the stove to know right. it's burned my hand to know it's hot. And it's not like he's got guys ahead of him, really, who can show, sort of, you know, for, per, like in college, right? That's where my experience is, but a lot of times you're a freshman and you don't really know that stuff, mm-hmm. but you got a junior and a senior who were in your same shoes two years ago and you just watch them and you, every day you talk to them and you watch them practice and you watch them compete and you watch them in games and you're just like, this is how it is. And if I don't do these things, little tiny things, winning plays, it's not, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to, you know, I'm never going to get the chance. And where he's just thrown out there like, Hey, go, go do you. And I don't know. I think, He's an unbelievable talent, but it's too bad that he doesn't have that. That. Well, and it's such an interesting comparison, college to pro, and obviously, the you know the the glaring Minnesota example of this in the other way is all right. The Wolves did that with Jimmy Butler, and it didn't happen or work with Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, and like whatever. That's its whole like unique situation and personalities. But like part of the thing, and I remember just you know just talking to some people during that time, which was what was really difficult in that whole sort of thing was the fact that Wiggins and Cat were getting paid more than, you know, than Jimmy mm-hmm. was. You know, they they didn't see themselves as, you know, subsidiaries to him just because that's kind of how pecking order goes in the NBA. And and I just wonder I wonder about that with you know a, a lot of, not just Anthony Edwards, but but a lot of young guys in the league. Like 
they're already kind of on a mat, like just the way it works. It's like you're at four years and then you're on your max contract if you're like good at all. We don't have that issue. In- yeah, exactly. I'm, 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 I know, just, I know. I'm just saying like that, that's, the, that's the difference is. For sure. Is that like Anthony Edwards is going to be, you know, if this works at all, is going to be 22, 23 years old and on a max contract and might not have this down yet, might not have learned those skill sets because he never had anybody telling him. And now, and now he's on the max contract and he's supposed to be the one telling it, you know, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It's, it's this, it's this snowball sort of thing. So it's why, like, did you make the Zach Levine comparison? Is yes, that you? I think that's, I think and I, that's the comp. Right and I think so. I think that's good. And I, he hasn't played in a playoff game yet. Right. Zach Levine has been on, has not been on a winning team in six years. Yeah. And I think that's as much as com- comparing how they play basketball, which I think is also a good comparison just sure. with how athletic. I think the trajectory they're on right now could also be right. really similar. I mean, I, I just yeah. – And it'll probably be about – it's not that Anthony Edwards is going to become Zach Levine. It's that if you probably – if you put Anthony Edwards in the exact same environment that Zach Levine has been in for six years, which is, what, you know, three crappy years in Minnesota and three crappy years in Chicago, like – Odds are Anthony Edwards is going to be a guy who's, you know, averaging 24, but might not be, you know, contributing to winning. So it, it, it is one of those interesting things where you, you know, maybe you make that signing, maybe you make that trade to bring in guys like that. You like, it's the whole like, wait, why do they bring in a 34 year old? Well, you know, sometimes yeah. that stuff does, you know, and does have some value. And that was my big, like when we did all this in the, in the, before the draft, like, that was one of my biggest concerns with him is just yep. the lack of winning, never been exposed to it. Because I do think, and we probably talk about this most of the podcast, but I, that stuff really matters. Learning how to win, you can't quantify it. It's not like a tangible stat. Like a lot of the analytics stuff, and one of my issues right. with it is there are little tiny things that talk about winning plays that result in winning. There's a lot of guys, Not a, there's a handful of guys that can go score 25 points a game on any NBA team but not all of that results in winning. Mm-hmm. And I and I think, yeah, I think learning how to win is is incredibly underrated at any level, and I just hope that he, you know, gets the chance to experience. To, to, to have that environment. To, yeah, to, to be a part of a team like that. I think that's a good place to cap on him. Um, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Pro Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. For a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com 
and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. All right, Will, let's do your boy, Devin Vassell. Um, I'm going to run through his stats here real quick um, just to contextualize this a little bit, and then we'll talk about what we saw in film. Vassell has played in 20 games this season. Um, he's playing about 17.5 minutes per game, averaging 5.5 points, 1.2 assists, 2.8 rebounds, 1.2 steals, 0.3 blocks, 0.4 turnovers, shooting 35% from two and 40% from three. What have uh, what have you seen just, I guess, on, on a surface level from Devin Vassell? Yeah, I mean, a lot of good, a lot of bad. The... The defense, I think, has been the best part, um, which probably isn't really a surprise. I think coming in, like we talked about, I think coming into the draft, he was the best wing defender that we watched. Let, let's let's do this. Actually, let me let me stop you there. How are how are they using him in San Antonio? I okay, think that I think that yeah. contextualizes so, all of this because people just probably heard me read off those stats like yes. five point four points, one assist, seventeen minutes a game, and then you're like a lot of good, a lot of bad. Like what is this? This right? We're shaping this up to sound like it's been terrible, right? And I what is the context? And the two games he played against the Wolves, the first game he didn't do anything, and then he got hurt, yeah, late, so didn't play in the second game. So mm-hmm. any Wolves fan, unless you, which is probably the majority of the people, yeah. listen to this. Um, there's a lot of wings in San Antonio ton and point guards and they'll go two point guard sets. So essentially they'll play the, the point guard playing off the ball will be playing, taking one of the wing spots, taking one of the wing spots for sure. So I did, I was looking at the, the, an average box score. They've got seven guys ahead of him who play the similar position. So, <laughs> which is crazy, right? Yeah. So the fact to me, and obviously I'm, I'm going to be at least somewhat biased. I really liked him. The fact Yeah, that we should say that too. You, I think you had Vassell third on your yeah, board coming up. The fact that he's playing 17 minutes a game as the eighth guard slash wing mm-hmm. is good. How they're using him, they don't use him at all on offense. Would you agree? Yeah. He spaces the floor. He shoots open threes. He's exclusively a spacer. And you know, occasionally he'll catch the ball. And this is why I think his, his two-point percentage is so bad. Occasionally, he'll, he'll catch the ball with four seconds left on the shot clock. They'll take away his catch and shoot three, and he's got to take a really tough pull up, um, which I don't yep. think anybody would shoot that high a percentage. Um, so, I mean, Derek White, Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, DeMar DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, and Keldon Johnson. Yep. Good players. And a lot of young guys who are trying to like get theirs and get their next contract, too. So, He's in a he's in a unique spot because on one hand he's in San Antonio, unbelievable franchise, playing for Pop. Pop usually doesn't play rookies nearly as much as Vassell's playing. That's the you know the positive. The downside is playing behind all those guys that I just mentioned. It's going to be hard for him to do anything to work. be anything more than a like show that he can be yeah. anything more than the role a role yeah. player in the. And I think that was the. So so you 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 were third on Vassell. I was fifth on Vassell, which was a lot a lot quote unquote a lot higher than most people was like 10 right yeah and and i think what our thinking was was that we thought he could be more than a catch and shoot you know three-point guy i think a lot of people saw the way he shot two years at florida state and were like all right this is going to be a guy who can probably shoot 40 percent from three in the nba 
in catch and shoot situations. Mm-hmm. And he has. He's shot shot forty percent from three so far, you know, this year. But the question was is what is he gonna be able to do at the second level and the third level? What's he gonna be able to do for mid range and is he gonna be able to get to the rim? And and what we yeah, what we've seen thus far is is not even really getting the opportunity to do so. And what he does, like you said, it's kind of he is getting like some mid range shots in the mix, but he's only making twenty four percent of but them. We don't. We have no idea. I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. I know. I'm just I'm just saying what what it has. Been. He's not being asked to do that. He's only being asked to mm-hmm. do them in desperation situations. So literally, the only thing he's asked to ask to do offensively is be a catch, like space to the opposite side. And catch and shoot and make your threes, which he is doing mm-hmm. thus far. But there's there's no evidence, I would say, particularly at the rim, that he can do at the NBA level yet that he can do mm-hmm. anything. Right. I mean, there there'll be there'll be two or three possessions that'll go by and he won't touch the ball. He's right. I mean, Dejounte Murray has the ball in his hands a lot. DeRozan has the ball in his hands a lot, and they'll just play through those guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, they drive and they'll kick it. That's nothing is ran for for. No. The cell. Nothing. Yeah. He's the fifth guy out there. Yeah. But but he is he is in the rotation though. I think like and he's like the sixth or seventh man or eighth man yeah. in the game. Like, well he's now that in Derek it, White it. is back, so like yeah. I think it was last night he played. He only way played like less. eleven minutes, yeah. Um But yeah, I mean he's you know, he's playing eighteen minutes a game for pop on a winning team. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I I'm obviously more glass half full with, with this. Um I mean here, th- this isn't me necessarily comparing Edwards and Vassell. How much do you think Anthony Edwards would play on the Spurs right now? Yeah, well, would, like the thing is, is he <laughs> he would play what he deserves, which is which is a lot different. Where the Wolves are going to you know force feed him right. twenty seven to thirty every night. So, but I think I think Edwards would be in a similar. He'd be behind the same guys, you mm-hmm. know. Like yeah, maybe he gets in over like Lonnie Walker or something because mm-hmm. they're similar. But yeah, it it, it would be it, it would be it would be similar because and that, that's what's happening around the league if we look at all these rookies. Like I, I was thinking about this is like basically the only three guys who are like really get what it feels like they're getting force fed minutes are Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball. Mm-hmm. And then you know, and Wiseman you could even argue is a little bit more yeah because the Warriors are the Warriors are in a unique a right. unique spot. But it's like you look at the other guys in the lottery like um, Obi Toppin, like very clearly a stretch big backup four role player, just set screens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of Dia, like he started a little bit, but when he's out there, it's a lot like it's a lot like Vassell. Like Okoro's a little floor. bit like that. He's playing a lot more, but he's kind of just out there. That's what I'm saying. Is this is yeah. what Vassell is doing is normal for rookies in this class. I think if we put if we put everything that he's done in these first 20 games into the context of the 2019 class and what they did in the first 20 games, mm-hmm. or the 2018 class, it would look worse because it's not a ton of production. But but this is all weird this year. You totally. Know? And and I would I would say it's like Devin Vassell has not has not surprised anyone offensively no. thus far at all. But he has done what he's what Greg Popovich has has told him to do, and and I think that's enough to be like this is this is a a, a fine pick offensively. And then the defensive side of the ball, I think that's where he's that's where he's been more positively impactful. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I mean I think. I'm not a huge analytic defensive rating guy because I think there's a lot of, that can go into it that's not on paper. But he had, like a week ago, he had the best defensive rating from a rookie double the next guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like in the top 10 in the NBA. Yeah, I have it right here. It's uh, 
as of right now amongst wings, he's 97th percentile and defensive rating 101.8. Right. And on the Spurs who aren't like sometimes what I don't like about defensive rating a lot of time is what it is. It's like, oh, cool. Like uh, Pat Connaughton, you're on the Bucks. Like, so you have one of the best defensive mm-hmm. ratings because they have the best team defensive rating. Totally. What's interesting there about Vassell is the Spurs are like an average overall defense. And when he's on the floor, what that suggests is they, they've been and I think, elite. And I think the film backs it up. I think, I think so too. I think he, you know, he's, he's not a great athlete. I think in a team defensive concept, he is, he is already really, really good. And if you go, you know, so I'll, I'll follow like some Spurs beat writers now just to, I don't know. I'll do it with other, not just, not just the Spurs, but, or you just search it on Twitter and yeah. see what other, and for whatever it's, for what it's worth, they're all saying they're, they're just on cloud nine with his defense mm-hmm. and saying he should play more and, and this and that. So, you know, it's, it'd be one thing if they were, if they weren't, right saying that but so i i don't know, i think no it's because the defense i mean i think that what's what it says is it doesn't just pop in the numbers it pops to the eye yeah. test and and there are a lot of he's so engaged defensively mm-hmm. and i think if you're a fan who's actually watching defense and paying attention to it you know you you notice it you notice it with Vassell. what what i thought was interesting i wanted to ask you about is like i feel like he's all over guys a lot and they still score on him were you noticing that? Like, yes. really tough finishes on him. And I think that's why the synergy numbers are bad. Because a lot of times, you know, we talked about this off the air a little bit, but the synergy numbers, I could be guarding you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this goes for any defensive sure. leader. I could be guarding you from, you know, behind the three-point line, play great defense, and you make a tough step back in my face. Or I fall asleep, you cut back door, get a wide open dunk, and the three-pointer is going to reflect worse on me. Yeah. And I do, I agree. I think he's... I, can't be much more than just a coincidence that well i think part of it shots no no i I agree i think i I think the majority of it is that guys are making tough shots and and part of the reason why guys are making tough shots is because when dejounte murray's not on the floor devin vassell is and he's the main point of attack defender so if john morant was on the floor he's guarding john morant westbrook in their game before that he Mm -hmm. was guarding westbrook he was guarding luca in the game before so in those overlap of times where you know the team's best creator is in against the Spurs backups, Vassell, Vassell's out there guarding him. So, I mean, like, Luca made, like, two nasty mm-hmm. step backs on him. And John Morant just blew by him a couple of times. And that's, yeah. he's, and that's always going to happen. John. And I think that I think you, you mentioned the athleticism, and that was kind of my one spot on him, too. I, I, do think, I do think he's a little slow. And, and I think he makes up for it a lot with his his reach. And I think he uses his, his like his length well. Um, but it, it is something that I, I just, because I remember that was one of my main things for it. And I, and you know, you just kind of, and you don't know, is it one of those things that because it was my, my take and the, sure. you know, in the draft, is that something I'm seeing? But I do think, I, I do think he's one of those guys that's just playing so hard that it almost slow like, like sometimes he's just like a little tired. Yeah. And he's a little slowed down. It's like, like dude, that, that dude looks tired out there right yeah. now. Um, no, I, I, yeah, he, he, have you noticed every missed shot? Like when the Spurs get the rebound, that dude just sprints it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. I think Malik Beasley does that at the Wolves too. All a little bit. That's a, I'm like, dude, just like, let's, let's save 1% in the gas tank here. Um, so what do you think he, like, who's a good comparison? Cause I do think, you know, 
we haven't gotten a fair shakeout of him yet just because of how log jam that those wings are there. Mm-hmm. But who like is Mikhail Bridget? Like give me a guy that Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people say, but you know, if he is a I think again what what you and I are not betting on, but thinking was it's like, okay, can you be more than that? Can you show me a little bit off the bounce and over, you know, the next few years? And I was actually thinking about Rudy Gay, you know, where and kind of how he's fallen into this like three four role with the Spurs, and um, you know they use him like a role player. You know, Gay comes off the bench, but he's also given a lot substantially more freedom than Vassell has to be able to like play a little bit, you know, off the bounce and create a shot over guys. And I think when I was watching, I was thinking about that. And Rudy Gay is substantially stronger than Devin Vassell is. Like, oh, yeah. He's just a lot bigger of a guy. So I don't know, like. One, he's got to be put in a spot where he's allowed to do more. Where, like, Mikel Bridges isn't. Mikel Bridges is like, go be a 3 and D player. And I think that's what Vassell will be asked to do his first few years in the league. But, but yeah, I, I just think the next step for him is being playing in a position and in a team that allows him to, you know, to make a combo move and shoot, you know, from 15 feet mm-hmm. sometimes. And, and yeah, I don't know. Rudy Gay in the Spurs context was was kind of the guy yeah. that came to mind for me. I, I think, and this is part of the reason I was really high on him, and I think you were too. Again, I, he's going to be a borderline all NBA defender at, for a fair decent amount of his career. Would, would was, you agree? I was actually going to I was going to save that for the Okoro part and ask you who's more likely to be all NBA between those two. But let's do it now. All NBA or all defensive? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, all all defensive team. Who's more likely to make an all defensive team, Vassell or Okoro? I, I mean, if I could bet on both, I would. They're yeah. both really good. I, kind of in different ways, though, right? Yeah. Like he, well, it's it's the it's the bridges way, of the bridges way for Vassell, where it's all this length and mm-hmm. you know, kind of like deleting space, right? Whereas Coro's like the Marcus Smart, yeah, like the of. Marcus Smart, almost like the Lou Dort sort of thing, mm-hmm. to where they're just like these. I think he'll get bigger and bigger, kind of like a fire hydrant that's like hard hard to move through. And I I, I think. I think the guys who get voted for this, not that they're more deserving, I think the Marcus Smarts yeah. and those guys get voted for it right. more than the other ones do because they, they have that one year where they're just a bulldog for 80 games yeah. and, and they get it. So my, my bet was going to be a Carl, but it's interesting. I, I would say it's really close for the both. I think they're both really good bets. I would I would say they both are have a really good chance to make it at some point. But back to what I'm yeah, saying sorry. is, back to the reason we really liked him is he's going to be this is Vassell, I think an all-NBA defender at some point, and he's going to be a very solid catch-and-shoot three-point guy, mm-hmm. and then which is can play on any team right So we've got three ND check, check. Check, check. And I think, again, I think there's more to his game. He's got to tighten up his hand a little bit. He's got to get a little bit quicker and a little bit stronger, mm-hmm. but I think that'll come with just getting better, but also giving more of an opportunity to not worry about Making mistakes because right now it's almost he almost plays like he plays worried. I'm not even worried, but okay, this is all I have to do because I've got Dejounte yeah, Murray sure. and I've got Keldon Johnson structured or something. Yeah, like he's. I mean, I would play worried if I played for Pop. I mean, right, like, and he's almost yeah. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, but he's almost like this is my role. I'm, I'm not even going to think about doing anything that's not in this role. I don't know. I don't know if you've watched uh, Toppin much at all either, but it, it's kind of like he literally just. He literally just sets screens all the time. And it's like, 
he clearly had a sit down with Tibbs and Tibbs gave him like five bullet points. Yeah. It's like, do these sort of things. Yeah. And he's like, you know, to top its credit, he's doing that. It doesn't, it doesn't look very sexy. Like when it's on the floor. Right. And I feel like Vassell's doing that same thing, you know, with pop, whereas, you know, some of the, the Knicks and the Spurs are, you know, a better team than, you know, the, the Cavs and like the Wolves sure. are. So a, a Coro literally plays like 37 minutes a game and gets to take 16 shots a game. It's, the bullet points that those guys right. have are, are so much longer. So right. it's 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 kind of tricky to contextualize a little bit. It too, like in hindsight for the Spurs, it's it's why take a why take Vassell almost when you're that deep, or it's more thinking we're gonna shake this up quite a bit. And, yeah, that's what I would say. Right, like I mean because. You got to think DeRozan's out of the mix. He's expiring, and I think Aldridge is too. So, not that Aldridge is getting wing minutes or anything, but but I think it's kind of what the next iteration of the Spurs is going to be is one guard, three wings, one big, mm-hmm. you know, and and with I mean Vassell can kind of check fours like Keldon Johnson. I, I think like for him. sure can. I like Kelvin Johnson. So I, I think that's kind of like and then Lonnie Walker and who, who else? Might Derek White. Penny Mills is still in the mix. Like I think, I think that's what it, the kind of idea is: is just to go a lot of like a lot of wings, but more in like a egalitarian way, more sure. so than where it's like DeRozan and Aldrich are kind of ball stoppers mm-hmm. at at this point. And so, so yeah, it is weird. It is weird when you just look at this roster right now. Devin Vassell doesn't quote unquote fit on it, not because he's not good, but because they have so many guys like him. But I, mean, I think that'll change in a year if. If before the draft, if somebody could have predicted to you that Vassell would be drafted by the Spurs and you looked at the, you probably would have guessed he wasn't going to play his, his, yeah. his rookie year. No, I think it's a huge testament to him right now that he's playing at all. And I'm also like putting a pin in that to say he played nine minutes and 11 minutes in the last two games now that they're back to full strength. So he might, right? Start that might, it might go down because Derek White's back and playing, exactly. playing a lot more. Um, let's move on to Isaac Okoro. Um, the Wolves just played them the last two games, uh, so I got to watch him up and close, up close and in person. Is that how you say that? Uh, the last, the last few games, and, um, and they played the Knicks before that. He's averaging, he's averaging playing thirty five point four minutes per game, uh, which leads all rookies this year. Eight points a game, two assists, two rebounds, one point two steals, about half a block, one point five turnovers, and he is shooting. 49% from two and 29% from three. Um, I guess I'll just start here with this. He's kind of the inverse offensively. The way they're using him is almost the inverse of what they're doing with Devin Vassell. Where, <laughs> right, you know, kind of know what I'm saying? Where they're like, uh, we kind of have to put you in the corner, but we don't want you to shoot. We want you to get to the rim. Where Vassell is, it's like, well, you're never getting to the rim. You just, like, Please sure. make it just be be corner shots. So they're very similar, quote unquote, three and D players, but Okoro is is a much stronger rim option, and Vassell is a much stronger three point shooting option. Right. the The first thing I thought of when I started watching Okoro was, uh, did he look taller to you? Dude, I, yeah, but I think it's because he's playing next to Sexton and Garland. And Garland's like the two, and he's tiny. Because when I watched him at Auburn, I think we might have talked about this. I was kind of like, he's a little small, like height wise. And now yeah. I watch him, like he looks, 
<laughs> he looks like he's grown two or three inches. You know, he looks. I don't know. That Maybe. was that yeah. was my that's my analysis. well because we were. I mean, I think coming out and of it the draft, should be vice versa. You should look taller in college, and you <laughs> exactly. Should look, I think I don't think we saw him playing the three slash four in the NBA, which he you know, is. I think you don't think so. I definitely no, no, three. No, no, no. I think he is playing the three slash four right now. Right. And you thought and, he was going to play two like a well in co- sorry in college he was playing like he's playing more like just that's true that's five true. but <laughs> but he was he was also more of like a one two a lot of times in their offense where he was could be like yeah. the creator and and those sort of things where he's guarding the one he's guarding threes and fours right now. he's playing like a small forward yes. or small ball power forward right now for mm-hmm. this team do you like him what do you think <laughs> um, I was higher than you on him uh, coming out of the draft and. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so I've watched the, his full, his last full three games because I watched the Knicks game before they played the Wolves too, and he just blends in a ton. He does, um, and that's not always a bad thing. But, but like, I don't think anything just in the flow. Because when I'm watching, when I'm watching the Wolves play the Cavs, I'm watching it from my job, which is more through the Wolves lens. And so what that lens usually looks like is you know taking notes about the Wolves players. And then any Cavs players who do anything. I don't think I took a note about Isaac Okoro the entire time in, you know, in two games where he probably played over 70 minutes in those two games. So he's just kind of like... He's kind of just out there. He's kind of just out there, but he's also not necessarily like bad. I think he's like helpful defensively uh, in ways, but offensively, he's just kind of being pushed into playing on the perimeter and he's not a shooter at all. He's kind of like Josh Okoge. He's a lot like Josh Okoge. A lot like Josh. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah, but like, what do you, that's the question. Like, what do you do with that? You know, you, you hope, you, you hope that you can scare them. Like you could get them to respect you enough on the perimeter so that if you catch the ball, you can blow by them. And the wolves for one reason or another, I don't know why the hell they're doing this, but they were closing out hard on a car and a car was like, yes. I mean, I was probably, there was I mean, a 25% chance I was going to make that three. Now I can drive to the basket. I think I texted you during that game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was you, yeah, yeah. yeah. I it was not, I mean, Okoro's a really bad shooter right yeah, now. Yeah, they thought, he, the Wolves thought he was Clay Thompson. I, it was, I, I think it's, well, yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole separate thing. I, I actually think Jim Pete highlighted it on one of the games where, where the last game, where Russell ran out to him and of like, of course, of course, like, yes, well, now I get to go drive by him and drop it off, lay up for somebody else. And you then know? what, so that happened two straight times and he got a lay, he got two layups early on and mm-hmm. then he's feeling good. Anybody who's played basketball, yeah. if you make two like nice moves, then he made that corner three, the first three he took against the wolves in the left corner mm-hmm. Shoots that with a lot more confidence. Like, I Whereas guarantee. if you let him shoot the first yes. two quarter threes and he misses those, it, yes. it changes the whole that thing. That three, yeah. I guarantee you, is a yeah. lot easier when you've made two layups. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Anyways, I mean, I think the hope for him is that he's going to find a way to be good at the rim. He's taking a ton of shots. at the, Like 57% of his shots have come at the rim this year. And that's a really, you know, a really high volume. He doesn't take any mid-range shots unless it's a floater. And then you know he he shoots, he shoots threes from above the break terribly. Seventeen percent of his above the break threes, thirty eight percent from the corner, which is actually fine. Um, but I, I think for him, he's going to need to become like a drive and kick player in some sort of way. And the only way he's really going to be able to do that is by being like a threat to actually get all the way to the rim and score on people. And if he can't do that, he's not going to be a good offensive player. 
Yeah, I agree. The other thing, too, for as many minutes as he's playing, he's not rebounding like I thought he would. He's averaging 2.4 rebounds a game, playing 35 minutes. And I thought that was one of the strengths coming out of out of college. Could that, uh, you I know, mean, this is, the, as call, the apologist, could this be an Andre, could that be an yeah, Andre Drummond thing? But yeah, sure. two is not enough. Right. But I think he is, I think he kind of is who he is. And I, and I mean that, like, I don't see a, and I'm not saying he's bad. He's playing 35 minutes on a team that's like 500. One of the biggest surprises of the NBA, probably. Sure. So there's, he's valid. Like there's something there. Mm -hmm. But I think he's just he's gonna be he's gonna be this. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to like paint out what it could be. You know, that's better. I I I think what what's interesting specifically with that team. You know, he's. And this this goes for a lot of guys in the NBA right now. If you're if you're the one non shooter, if you're a wing and you're a non shooter, like you've got to be surrounded by other shooters, or you're gonna be you're gonna be unplayable, mm-hmm. or it's it's gonna it's gonna go terribly. And if you if you look at it, I, I, I pulled up his his like lineup data when he's out there with both Sexton and Garland on the floor, they're plus twenty point one per one hundred possessions. With Sexton off the floor, minus twenty point one. I mean, and so that's half of that's like, you know, props to Sexton, but it's the same thing with Garland. You take Garland off, it's like it's minus 10.5. So he, he needs help around him offensively, particularly yes. creators. And he has that on this team. I mean, he just, they, tra- they drafted Sexton in 2018, they drafted Garland in 2019, and they drafted Coro in 2020. Like they've got their creators right. in, in their backcourt. You don't, they don't need him. They don't need him to be a high pick and roll guy, but they need him to what bring is, something. They need him to, you know. And it, and I think it, what it's most likely to be if it works is just he's an all defensive player, right? Like that's that's what you know gets him paid. Is that worth the fifth pick? You know, like that's he you better know, that's be a really. I mean, like first team all. I, so that's can yeah, he be one I, of the best wing defenders in the NBA? I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I bet on it. I don't but see it right now. I yeah. don't feel like he's like he doesn't. He he tries hard and that, but I I don't see him being like an eraser right now. And it I don't know. I, I it it's hard for me to see that. And I think I had higher hopes that he could be. Yeah, that was your guy. One of my guys. Yeah, I had him. Man, I had him fifth. I had of. I was looking at it. It's like. It, it's it's funny how this already happens, and you're like, oh man, like I had him. Oh no, I had I had him seventh. Right. Um, I had I had Vassell fifth, fifth and, and him seventh, and it's like, who would you who would you take right now between those two, Vassell and Okoro? I would take Vassell because I think the shooting is bankable. Is it too early to ask you if if you had to redraft, like if you had to re? No, I mean it, it is too early, but you could still ask. Who would you? How would your top? Six or seven go. This is. Um, I take Lamelo one. I take Ant two, still, which was which was what I would have, and and Wiseman three. Uh, that, that's what I had. There is that would. And so that's not Wolf specific. You're just saying that's no no, no no no. This is just MB. I think just NBA. I would specific. still have Wiseman one. Uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't push back too hard on you on any. I'd of move Lamelo to two. I mean, Killian. Hayes was really bad the first few games, but it's too bad that he got hurt. So Hayes it's hard to really give a. Yeah, but I think we got it. If we're we're t- redoing it right now, we we push Peyton him. Pritchard too, probably. 
No, I mean Halliburton. We were both yeah, low on Halliburton. We were. And we, at some point next time we do this, we'll, we'll have to do. We'll have to go back and watch all the Halliburton. Yeah, he's the one that we've probably missed on the most. Of. I mean, wouldn't. Would you put him for? Is there anybody? I, I gotta is watch there anybody him. other? Oh, the, okay. I yeah. mean, I got like, to. Like full transparency. I haven't watched. The Kings. I, I go to bed too early to watch, <laughs> to watch the Kings. But I mean, I think Ball and Wiseman would be one and two. I think Edwards is up there. I think based on what everyone says about Halliburton, he's obviously up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still really high on Vassell. I think Vassell's going to be really good. I, I think I think you'd be rather disappointed with Toppin if yeah. you watch him. Mean, I've watched a handful of the Knicks games. And how about a Kongwu? Have you watched? Yeah, he doesn't really play. I mean, he's coming off an injury. Yeah, he's coming off an injury, and he looks he. Well, he played in a couple games around and, and against the Wolves. They played them twice. So I actually watched I think I've watched the majority of the games he's played in actually. And yeah, and he's just kind of buried there too. Like yeah. behind uh Capella and you know, Collins shifts yeah. up to the five and, and that sort of thing too. So Kang Wu Neesmith's he's not, not really in the Neesmith's not playing much. Yeah, Neesmith, that was my boy who just played it at all. I, he played the couple games when they had some injuries. And I was so I was on the Celtics Twitter, and one of these guys it was yeah. like the Dane Moore Celtics guy, and <laughs> pretty much just saying how surprised he was at how bad Neesmith's defense was. Well, we even as somebody who was high on Neesmith, that was so obvious that he was not going to be a good defender. Yeah, if you wa- if you actually watched him play, the fractured or the stretch fracture theory is not <laughs> it's not, not aging well. <laughs> Was <laughs> we were hopeful there, but I do, I did, and I still do think he could be a nasty shooter. He is a nasty shooter. Yeah, but you got to be able to stay in front. I mean, yeah, I know a I lot know. of guys can do that. Not, but whatever. yeah, no, that was my gut call. One that is who else? Who else were we missing? Um, Kyra Lewis isn't playing a ton. No, I'm trying to think. I mean, well, uh, Emmanuel quickly. You you actually really liked yeah, him I, coming out of the draft. He's Again, I watched a few Knicks games. He looks awesome, actually. You I know. know. Um, Kentucky, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maxie's been good. I was going to say, yeah, Tyrese Maxie, who I, he was someone I was high on. I mean, he's he's had a weird sort of like shifting role on the Sixers and stuff. It, it's, you know, it's going to be funny to look back at this year, too, because your situation is going to have played a big role, you know, for a lot of these guys, particularly like late lottery or non lottery guys. You mm-hmm. know, did you land on a team? that had you 20 minutes right away or did you land on a team where you're the right. 13th man? Like, right. and that's all, you know, that's always the case to some degree, but sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's obviously my focus has been more on, on ant and, uh, I haven't really dug in, dug in on the film of any of the guys other than the ones now we've, you know, we've watched for these things. Right. So, so all it's been, if I've seen some of these guys play, it's like, oh, I'm watching a Knicks game and I see Obi Toppin or, oh, I'm watching a Kings game and Halliburton looks good. Um, Quite frankly, I don't think that's enough to provide, right. you know, any sort of strong opinion. But I, I would, I don't think my top three would change, and I don't think your top pick of Wiseman would change either, right? No, I, I mean, Ball, I was way, I was wrong. So Ball would be the one that would probably be two. I still think Wiseman's awesome. So you'd have you'd have Ball over Edwards right now? Yeah, yeah. Me too. I, I think so. I mean, yeah, it's. I just think that those three, it's good. There's anybody, just if there's, anybody's like, oh, I have this guy for sure, for sure over them, they're in a right. tier of themselves. I was like, what do you want? I, mean, it might be wrong, it going I would bet on the guy that has an just an unbelievable basketball IQ with yeah. LaMelo, you know. Um, what about this? Who who do you think has looked more physically impressive, Ant or Wiseman? 
both pretty. Both are pretty. Pro- I'll say Ant, but Wiseman has also made some plays. They're both. I mean, they're two of the most freakish Freak. players in the NBA already. Dude, I mean that's what that's what I was saying about Wiseman. Like, I know, I know everyone's like, oh, there wasn't any film of him to watch or anything. I'm like, dude, if you watched that one Oregon game, he looked like a pterodactyl. Yes. Like he was gonna be like that was obvi- that part of it was gonna obviously translate. He was gonna be seven one with a seven six wingspan and fly all over the place. Like that was gonna happen. And then and then yeah, the same thing with Ant has happened too. Like these big dunk plays that have happened in the Wolves games, they happened at Georgia too. Yeah, and they were just as sporadic. But like he yeah, they they're both they are both everything they were built to be physically mm-hmm. and maybe and honestly maybe even more. And I think Wiseman and who knows he might get. He could get traded if the Warriors are just like let's right. let's go for this thing the next two or three years with Clayback. But I think I don't think you can put a like a number on or quantify how good a fit Wiseman is with Golden State. So and just the guy, you know, we talk about with Ant, yeah. just the polar opposite. It's not Ant's fault, but it's just the guys that Wiseman has in his ear every day with. Draymond, Seth, and Clay, and Steve Kerr. Like, well, he, and he's gonna play in a playoff series, man. That stuff has got to be huge for, right. for like a learning and coaching standpoint, right? And I think that's, I, I, I loved Wiseman coming out of the draft, and I, the fact that he's there makes me like him even more. All right, all right, that's a good place to close it up. We're here over an hour, a little bit. Um, Will, good luck in your game tomorrow. Or you're not playing in your game that you're coaching. <laughs> you come back. Um, everybody, you can follow Will on Twitter at WDeBerg14. You, you tweeted about pizza the other day. That was your, your, your first first, you first sponsor. The- yeah, maybe bring him on. Who, what was it? What type of pizza was it? Uh, this place called Baluto. Oh, it's new. It's new down here, right? Yeah, they just downtown. There's one off in like off Nicola, and then they just made one down. Man, look at that downtown. free advertising. Yeah. Hit me up, Baluto. Um, uh, that's Will at WDeberg14. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Um, I will be back tomorrow with Britt Robson uh, to talk about uh, Gerson Rosas has been the president of basketball operations for 82 games now. So we're going to kind of, Britt just wrote a column about that. So we'll talk about that and whatever the hell else is on Britt's mind. Um, until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah.